Rich on Personality, Reed Foster, Andrew Graham, here to discuss, among other things, the NBA Finals. Last night, the Toronto Raptors went up 2-1 on the Golden State Warriors with a 123-109 victory at Oracle Arena. Wow. You know, I just want to start out, fun fact from all of this. The Warriors have scored exactly 109 points in all three games. Mm. I don't Did think. You watch it? Did you watch it last night? Yeah, yeah, I watched. I yeah, I didn't see Game One, but I've seen the other two games, pretty much all of them. Yeah, we so we we had this thing, and it was it was it was untenable. But we were gonna, I was gonna, we were gonna alternate games. Because um, I've only watched games one and three, so. Yes. If there are any Raptors fans who might consider me a good luck charm, I will take Venmo donations, and I will not watch Game 4. Okay, you should put that on your Twitter. Just tweet that out. I should, yeah. I'll, we'll link it up. We'll link it up. Um, so you don't even know what it looks like for the Warriors to win. Um, I, I thought last yeah, night... I've never seen the Warriors win a finals game. You never have. In 2019. Um, in 2019, yeah. Also, you've never seen the Raptors lose a finals game. No, the Raptors in my lifetime are undefeated in the finals. Pretty and, unbelievable. Um, in all time, they're undefeated on the road. Um, um, what so, were your thoughts from yesterday, though? I want to get... Because, um, I mean, it was obviously a bit late when I was watching it, but I've had some time to think about it. and um, I have a couple of thoughts, but I want to I get your sort of first initial impressions on it. I mean, I just thought... After. I thought the game was kind of sad to watch. Um, yeah. Just in the sense that there are so many times when it's just like, wow, the Warriors really got like these guys out here like in this moment. Like we have Alfonso McKinney playing like some serious minutes, Andrew Bogus playing twenty two minutes, and yet with all of that, I don't necessarily think that the, I don't think the Warriors should feel too bad about what happened. The fact that the game was somewhat close. For, for enough of it where, you know, the, the Warriors had a puncher's chance despite having no Kevin Durant, no Klay Thompson, no Kevon Looney. Um, I mean, you really needed, the Raptors really needed a big shooting game out of Danny Green. He was 6-10. He was a guy that we talked about coming into the series had been super cold to the point where some people had even thought maybe the Raptors should be playing Van Vliet over Danny Green more often because he had been hotter from three. Um and it, looked, and it turned out that the Raptors needed all those buckets, and I thought it, um, and I thought it was impressive that even with all that, anytime the, the Warriors made a run, they would get it down to, you know, within closing distance, the Raptors would fire right back and hit a three, or they'd miss a three and an offensive rebound, and Ibaka would put it back in. Um, I thought the Raptors showed a lot of heart, despite it being a game that they really should have won easily. Yeah, so I mean, I the the really sad thing was it wasn't so much watching Alfonso McKinney um, or some of those other guys, but it was, it was watching guys. Was for me the the saddest thing was Demarcus Cousins. Demarcus Cousins was not a top. I mean, he wasn't. I don't know, one of the top seven to ten players on the court. It wasn't even close. It probably wasn't a top ten player on the court. And I mean, this is. Um, I'm just get this in real quick. I don't want to cut you off. 
I'm going to say like game two, Boogie looked amazing. He almost had a triple-double, and his passing was a revelation in game two. Yeah. And yet, game three, it just looked like a guy who could not elevate. And the Warriors, sorry, not the Warriors, the Raptors just stopped respecting him. Like, I remember there was one point in the game when um, Boogie had it around, kind of on the wing, and Lowry guarded him. No, sorry, it was Danny Green guarding him. And he passed it out instead of taking it to the hole with him. Like, dude, you have 50 pounds on Danny Green minimum. You got to bound, you got to take it in and post him up. Now, so, but, but, but Boogie was just an instance of someone who, I mean, again, the thin line between being really, really great in the NBA and just being a dude or below that is not that far. Um, there's very few players who can who can play, you know, at 50% or less and can still be anywhere close to effective. Right. Um, you know, because when role players lose a step, they get out of the league. And when star players get a step, they just become other guys. But the biggest thing for me was watching Toronto is because Golden State is clearly a better team than Toronto, especially if, if Clay um, and KD's playing. And KD's is something we'll talk about. But the Raptors are much better than I thought they were. And the Raptors can win this series. And the Raptors were doing this sort of... Um, steady climb between, I think at the beginning of the series, I'd say there's a 10 or 15 chance, percent chance, first game at 30%. I think there's a 55, 60% chance they win this series. Really? Maybe 50-50. Just because... Yeah, I do. I honestly, I honestly think so. Because I think that the Raptors can win one game against Golden State at full strength. Yeah, and I guess... One. But that might be... They, may, they might have three games against the Warriors full strength. Because it sounded like it sounded this whole series that like if Kevin Durant's going to come back, it's going to be for Game Four. Particularly now that they lost Game Three, it seems like he has to come back. Um, I don't know what you do with Clay because he, you know he was technically active last night, but he didn't play. Um, I mean, even if he does get in Game Four, I mean, what is like how effective do you think he can be given his role? I mean, the thing with Clay is Clay's. Clay's value is because he's such a fantastic two-way player, and I really think that if Clay Thompson has trouble moving, I mean, this is just, I think he can be effective as a as a floor spacer, so I think he's going to make their offense better, even by his presence. He won't be able to sort of cut as well as he usually does and move off the ball, which is, he's extraordinary at, but he'll still be a presence on offense. But the real question with Thompson will be, what is he going to look like on defense? And now the Raptors' wings outside of Kawhi Leonard, are fucking balling. Yeah. Like, who's, who's Clay Thompson going to guard if he's hobbled? So you're going to probably put Draymond on Kawhi, but is he, if he's gonna, is he going to guard Siakam? Is he going to be switched onto Lowry, Van Fleet? Those guys are going to give him trouble. Got he's it. not healthy. I mean, last night... I mean, did you notice this? Like, last night, Siakam had a swagger about him. I know he only ended up with 18 points or whatever, but... I mean, Siakam was frequently just calling for the ball, like, hey, this guy can't fucking guard me. I'm going to get it and take it to the hole. He can't do shit. And every time, he, mm-hmm. was, he was validated yeah, almost every Marcus single Saul time. Marcus Saul was doing Triple B Cousins, by the way. Oh, my. Yeah, Marcus yeah. Saul was hilarious last night. Like, that's what he... It was amazing. And that was the thing that stuck out to me was that I thought the Warriors' defense was what really looked, looked like they had a bunch of backups and more than the offense. But the offense obviously didn't look great, but Steph can do so much that it doesn't matter always. But defensively, 
you know, like if if Gasol is making you look old when Gasol is thirty three, that is a bad look. That's a real bad look. And to your point, I mean, Boogie just looked like there was this really archaic method that we used to. I mean, it was like sort of when I was in middle school, but they would put ankle weights on your ankles, and the purpose was that you would run with more resistance. That when it was off, you would be faster and more nimble. One time, and Boogie I, just looked like he was playing in those. One time in high school, I wore ankle weights around school for a day or two because I wanted to get strong. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, my ankle's going to be so strong, baby, you know, and then it didn't matter at all. It was just you know, annoying. Yeah, Boogie looked like he was playing in them. He just looked like he was playing in them, and then it was it was sad because Boogie, I don't know, I don't remember, we're getting a bit off track with Boogie, but I think the thing with, with Thompson is, yeah, he's going to be a valuable addition on offense because he's going to hit shots, and the Warriors didn't have guys who could hit shots yesterday. Yeah. He's going to make it easier for Steph to sort of maneuver, and he's going to allow people like Draymond to be. They're going to have to at least give him a bit. He's going to have a bit more room to operate. But on defense, um, I would have told you a week ago that Thompson, you know, being a bit hobbled on defense was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because Draymond would lock up with Kawhi, and honestly, I wasn't quite sure if Siakam, Danny Green, Van Fleet could really do the job, but it looks like one or two of those guys are going to do the job, and if Thompson can't hang with one of those guys, um, it's it's going to it's gonna be a big problem for Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I think the advanced numbers show that Clay Thompson has had as much success guarding Kawhi this postseason as basically any defender on him. Uh, I mean, losing yeah, that... Yeah, going to put him on Kawhi if he's not... You know, over seventy percent healthy. I don't think he can, but I don't know where you put him. Is the thing. I I just don't know where you hide him. Um, I mean, you could you could pray that you just force Siakam to shoot. You just say, you know, you just kind of. I mean, you kind of just pray that Siakam gets a bit tight and just can't hit shots. Yeah, I mean, that might be it. But even then, I think if you give... I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's it, right? Maybe, but I think if you give Siakam a runway, he's just going to take it to the hole and eat you alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and, and I think um, the threat of Siakam and then Danny Green actually hitting shots. And Fred Van Fleet has turned out to be incredibly versatile player. And not just offensively, but defensively. Yeah, well, I thought that, like, I think Van Bleet's gotten a little undersold in terms of, I mean, he's not, like, he's not Siakam going to the basket or anything, or, like, Russell Westbrook, but it's not like Van Bleet is just some spot-up shooter. He has some handles. He can take it into the hole if he needs to. Uh, and I think what we're learning about this Raptors team is that they have enough guys where, you know, last night Siakam wasn't hitting threes. But Van Vliet and Danny Green and Kyle Lowry were able to pick up the were able to pick up the pace and you know pick up the slack for them when they were hitting shots. And they just have enough dudes where you don't have to have everyone being hot at the same time for you to be able to score. And when you have that alongside elite defense, you have a chance. Now I don't know. What do you think? Like if. If Clay doesn't play the rest of the series, but KD comes back, do you think the Warriors win easily? Still, I mean, if Clay, if KD is healthy, I mean, let's just say KD is as healthy. I mean, he's pretty healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Golden State has the at least the better odds of winning the, the series. 
I mean, because KD is the best, probably the best player on the court. Will we get and, that? You know, it's, I, I mean, again, it, it depends on how healthy he is. All right, so let's um, say but, you know Kawhi's not fully healthy. Um, so if he's if he's at the same level as Kawhi, he's as good of a player, probably slightly better. I love how like we keep um, we keep saying Kawhi is not healthy, and I don't even disagree with that. But it's like yeah. game two, I was like, wow, you know Kawhi's not really looking that good. And then you look up, and it's like, oh, he was he took twenty shots and scored thirty four points. Uh, I guess he you know he had thirty, and then he also had fourteen rebounds and all that. He had the most, like, Kawhi 30 points that you could ever have. Yeah, like, last night, he was, he, he did look great, but he still had seven, 30 points on 17 shots, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists, and 4 stocks. But Deuce is a yeah. fucking monster. Um, now, let's say... But, but the addition of KD, um, yeah, if he's healthy, it really swings things. What, all right, let's say that Durant and Clay come back game four and they play the rest of the series, but they both max out at 80%. Yeah. You still think Warriors win? Yeah, in seven. Six or seven. I would agree with that, but... I mean, I think the Warriors are a much better team, and that's not a slight on the Raptors. Although I've been down on the Raptors, and you know this, and... Um, to your credit, you've been right about the Raptors. Um, I would, I just have to say that no team is close to the Warriors if they're even remotely healthy. I mean, we, we've been talking this whole year about how do the Warriors lose, and we've come to this consensus, no matter our disagreements on various teams, that the only way the Warriors truly are going to lose is if there's some luck involved. Right. And, um, and I was of this mindset that, okay, Clay and KD have to get hurt for them to lose. And you were like, okay, maybe KD gets hurt. So there was, we were kind of disagreeing on how severe the the unluckiness needed to be. But right. we, all of us, I think, agreed that the Warriors needed to get, to have some bad luck. That's the only way any team in the NBA beats them. Right. Which is kind of the bullshit thing about KD going to Golden State that was in, in July 2016. I know, but I mean, even though, like, yeah, to be fair, the Warriors have benefited from some great luck bounces for their own championships, and I, I'm not saying this as some like, oh, well, you know, if Kyrie and Kevin Love played in 2015, they definitely would have beaten the Warriors, or like, oh, you know, if uh, Chris Paul didn't get hurt, they definitely, the Rockets definitely would have beaten the Warriors, or Kawhi doesn't get hurt, they definitely beat them. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the Warriors have gotten a little bit fortunate with all that stuff, and it eventually. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, twenty fifteen was the Cavs had no chance, and I think in the fire they went six. They went up. They were up two one. The Cavs were. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which, I remember that. Which um, is a. I feel like that's a good transition to. We'll get back to the Warriors stuff, but it felt like a lot of the discussion last night. I, at least what I saw on Twitter was a lot of people saying like, wow, you know what? Steph really is the best player in the league, and if you don't think so, you're a fucking idiot. Is that what, Were you having that kind of chatter on your, on your Twitter feed? I wasn't getting any of that. I saw a lot of people talking about that. And I don't even think... Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's like totally crazy. I mean, I, I feel like we've... What do you call it? Like, we've talked about this before. I mean, I feel like... The best player in the league 
is just a thing that varies night to night. I just don't even know how you decide it. Now, I mean, for the last decade, it's been LeBron. Right, right. But, but yeah, like right now, yeah. on any given night, I mean, here's the, that's the thing, is that like, you know, if let's say that like it were game, like I had the option of like, we're assuming they're all in rhythm. Like, let's say like the next game, you have your choice of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, or LeBron. I don't know who I'm taking. You could throw Kawhi in there too. I don't like, of all those four, you pick one out of a hat, they're going to be the best one on that night. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Absolutely. I, I don't, I think this is, I think, I don't know, and it's probably because I'm, I'm obsessed with, and I really feel like defending LeBron. And I'm also really, I think, obsessed with Steph in a sense, as I think he's also underappreciated. But my, my, from my end, the, the main sort of focus of my timeline was, oh, this is a reminder about how amazing LeBron James was. Oh, well, I mean, that, that too. I mean, let's not, like... I mean, because it was, it was the idea is, like, this team was better... Steph, the people around Steph were better than Le- the people around LeBron in 2015 and in 2018. No question. LeBron didn't have nearly as good of a player as Draymond Green, um, even Andre Iguodala, post-Kyrie, like, when Kyrie wasn't playing. Right. Um, and it's really shown that um, I think, and and I think the 2015 Warriors are a bit better than these Raptors. Not much, but a bit better. That's probably fair. And they kept they kept making these comparisons to 2015, and I just I mean that just shows I think how amazing LeBron James was. Yeah, I mean he was, he was and and this is not a knock on Steph, um, because I think Steph's one of the best players of all time. What is he top 15 or 20 players of all time? Um, he could even crack the top 10. It, it depends. But LeBron's 2015 run, just I mean, I think it showed you that he was even a class above Steph, which is ridiculous. I mean, do you... He's re- not anymore, but he was in 2015. Yeah, what... I'm like, oh my God. I'm looking at his... Um, I'm looking at his stats for that series. Yeah, read them off. He... Um, 36 points a game, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, the... Uh, the shooting numbers look a little bad because he had, he was two of ten in Game Six, so you know whatever things went to shit. But I mean, but holy! He also just—he was just wrecked by the end of the, the series. Dude, I was. Did I tell you? I looked up. I was trying to. I was comparing um, Kawhi's postseason run this year to LeBron last year, and like the, the offensive stats mainly all looked pretty similar until you got to the assist ratio, and it was like. Kawhi, and I also had like Kevin Durant's run or whatever. And like at the time, like Kawhi was assisting on like fifteen percent of his teammates' baskets when he was on the floor. Kevin Durant was at like sixteen percent or some shit. LeBron was basic was like forty eight percent. He was getting all those baskets, and when he was on the floor, half of his teammates' baskets were a direct result of him passing the ball to them. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was unbelievable. Um, 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 but I, I think, but I mean, going forward, and this is something because again, again, I, I brought it up because that was sort of the common theme on my Twitter feed. But another thing that I, I think I was just thinking about, and I don't know how much of the chat I haven't really listened to people sort of discussing the finals. But one thing I, I also, I mean, 
the rap again, and I want to kind of circle back to this, but the Raptors just played better than I thought they could play. And I, I, I and I was kind of shocked that people thought it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win this game. Yeah. And after they won, people were like, "Oh, the Raptors, of course, should have won." Is like really? I mean, I don't. I think the Raptors I, should have been favored. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. See, I didn't think it was any sort of guarantee that they would win this game, and they were the best team the whole game. And I think that says something. I think that says that they have four games left, and they have to win two games. Yeah. Well, I think that. I think That's the Ra- I think the Raptors have been have gotten better progressively as this postseason has gone. I think that's Absolutely. fair to say. Over the last seven to eight games. I mean, really, like, you look at this Raptors team. I mean, first of all, can you imagine that, like, this Raptors team lost game one at home to the fucking Magic? To the fucking Orlando Magic? DJ Augustine beat this team? I don't want to talk about the Orlando Magic on today's pod. That's fair. That's not mine. Um, <laughs> you I know mean, how I feel about that team. It feels Shout like out Jonathan Isaac, though. If, you know, it feels like they just have really grown together, and on top of that, it feels like, like especially Kyle Lowry has just overcome all of his demons. I mean, this is a guy that was just perhaps unfairly shat on for his, you know, occasional postseason disappearances in games, if you will. This postseason, yeah. I thought yesterday he looked incredible, and he's just taking these shots super confident. They're going in. I think Siakam has taken his game still, to another level. He still, kind of a, he still does this thing, though, where um, where he'll take the bit too early of shots. And yeah. he'll be... Um, so, you, especially in the flow of yesterday's game, one of the things that you're the main facilitator is that you have to kind of feel... And this is why LeBron was also so amazing. He could feel the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And Lowry should have realized about midway through the first quarter at the end of the first that they can get pretty much any shot they want and he would still kind of pull up from three with 19 seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. And he'd be like, okay. Because he just, he can be a bit frustrating on offense. Yeah. He's also, he's also someone who can, who can turn really quickly. And I'm not a hater on Kyle Lowry, but he, he's, he's sort of an inconsistent variable. He can be. I mean, I think that um, he's always going to bring it defensively, but there are some nights offensively where he's not existed, um, at least beyond, like, setting screens and all that. I thought something that I really liked out of the Raptors last night, Marcus Gasol only ended up 1 of 4 from 3, but I, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I feel like two or three of those three-point attempts were in the first quarter. And I like that... Um, at least two. I like that he set the tone early where he said, you know, because, like, it's felt like when Gasol has been bad in this postseason, it's been because he's been so hesitant to shoot that teams just play off of him. And last night, because he took those shots early, he forced Boogie and he forced Bogan to come up and guard him on top of the key, and that's why he was able to blow by them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, quick shout-out to Andrew Bogan. He was, he was actually pretty good yesterday. Yeah, he was not. T- uh, probably like what what he can do. He was better than Boogie last night, which I would not have guessed. Definitely, definitely. He was definitely better than Boogie. Oh, is Andy, OG Ananobi going to play? I don't think so. 
you play him? I mean, if he was 100% and he could just move seamlessly back to the rotation, sure. Apparently... Rather play him than Norman Powell. He was available or, for game two, apparently. Yeah, but, I mean, is... Do you want to throw OGN and Obi into game four of the finals, especially with... You know, Nick Nurse has tightened his rotation to basically eight guys. Yeah. Well, and the eight guys know where Powell, and Powell is playing 10 or 15 minutes a game. So are, are you really going to... Uh, I mean... I don't know, these things are working really well for you. I mean, he's a good player, but... Right, I, I figured maybe I'd just throw him out there to see what you can get. The Raptors actually have a... The Raptors actually have a pretty interesting set of, like... They're, like, 9 through 11 is pretty weird. They, they don't ever play, so it's not really super relevant, but... I mean, the fact that you got, like, Jeremy Lin, Pat McCaw, Jody Meeks, and OG Ananobi there... Yeah, a lot of, Jeremy Lin could be a could be a factor in a game if you ever had to play him, for better or for worse. But I mean, he well, he's, and, he's still an NBA player, and he's still a guy who can do things. Right, and you have Pat McCall, like the revenge factor. I mean, again, these guys aren't really relevant. It's just it's interesting to me. Like, I think that says a lot about Masai Ujiri, the fact that he's been able to construct this roster and that he doesn't. You know, he's not going to take the 11th man on the roster for granted. You know, go ahead and get an asset there if you can. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Masai Ujiri is a whole, a whole podcast topic, basically, at this point. Yeah. Um, so, like, do you want to break down any of the uh, those rumors about Kyrie, or do you want to just stick to this current finals? I mean, I kind of. I think we should save the thing with Kyrie. I, I mean, I. I mean, I think we. Yeah, I think we should save it. I'll do. Although I have to say, he looks like he's just gone from Boston. Yeah, um, we we can touch on it a little yeah, bit. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have any do you have any thoughts off the top of your head on Kyrie? I mean, yeah. I mean, I I agree with your main point. Like that's what I was just gonna get to. Like it just sounds like the dude is not gonna be in Boston next year, no matter what. That. He doesn't want to be there, and it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a single Celtics fan wants him back. No, and and I think I I I didn't really hear a lot of his comments, but people were saying that Ainge's session with the media seemed to really indicate that he wasn't coming back. I didn't really hear any direct quotes, but that seemed to be the that Ainge said something like, "I you know I, I would you know." Even if he leaves, I'd do the trade again 100 times out of 100. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say this exact thing, but basically it just sounded like he's leaving, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, how much do you, like, how much do you think the vitriol towards Kyrie from the Boston fans has to do with the fact that they get the sense that he's leaving? Because I do feel like, I don't think he would be, I think that he would be still mad at him, but I think they would still rally around him if they knew he was coming back to the Celtics next year. Oh, I mean, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think they would be... I mean, doing the thing that any sort of fan base does, which is try to rationalize sort of these faults in these players um, once he's part of your your group. And, I mean, like, Kyrie's fun. I mean, I think... I don't know. I'm a Timberwolves fan, so my bar is really low. So I'm trying to see if I was a, if I was a fan of sort of a competent NBA franchise. But, I mean, I can get why he's really frustrated. But also, wouldn't you take Kyrie Irving on your team? So, say you're, you're a Brooklyn fan, right? Yeah. And it sounds like that's where he's going. Like, wouldn't you want him to come on your team? Well, that's the thing is that, like, 
I think if you're Brooklyn, it really depends on what the situation is. Because what I don't like, what I don't get with Kyrie is that it seems like, from what I can gather, it seems like he might be the the linchpin to getting Anthony Davis to stay wherever he goes. I maybe I'm wrong, but it sounded like it sounded like. No, Robert, I don't. I don't buy that at all, especially because Davis is a clutch client. And Kyrie's not, right? No, and also the clutch clients. I mean. It's just a whole different sort of web and a different ballgame. And um, that is the biggest factor, I think, rather than... I think that's the biggest influence, influencer of Davis rather than Kyrie. Like Kyrie may be a big influencer, but the, the clutch connection and that sort of thing is, I think, going to trump any of that. Mm-hmm. Now, so, like... That's my take on it. I, I, if we were just looking through past the past history of, of, of clutch clients. So, I mean, let's say, like... Because with Kyrie gone, I would assume that Boston is going to be out on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. They just they aren't going to be in on that. Um, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Would you like? Now let's say like let's say Kyrie goes to the Nets. Would you rather like what? Which of these assets do you think makes the most sense if you're New Orleans? Would you rather have Brandon Ingram? D'Angelo Russell on a max contract or Kevin Knox or whatever the, the Knicks can offer you with all those picks. Which of those trade packages is most appealing to you? Okay, so let's break it down. So like Brandon Ingram with the fourth pick? It'd be like Ingram with the fourth pick plus like Lonzo and or well, Kyle Kuzma. Well, that's a big that's a big difference. You think... Yeah, I mean, I think Lonzo has a higher upside, but I think Kuzma is going to be for sure a good NBA player, and we don't know that about Lonzo. Let's say that the Lakers uh, offered all three plus the fourth pick. Okay, so all three plus the fourth pick, and then Barrett and Knox, and then Mitchell Robinson, let's say. Yeah. And then, then probably the last one? Well, and also, like, you'd have those Mavericks first-round picks that the Knicks could include. From the Porzingis right. trade, um, right. And then from the Nets, you could do a, you could sign D'Angelo sign Russell. Trade D'Angelo. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you include like Karoks or um, no, Caris Levert. No, I like D'Angelo Russell, and there's a T-Wolves T- rumor which I'm, I'm excited about. But no, I don't, I'm not interested. No, not for trading Anthony Davis. Um, especially with Drew Holiday, and I think Drew Holiday fits what they're doing. But you don't. Um, I, you don't think that that Holiday could play off ball with D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, he could. I mean, I just think like if we're talking about what is the best package, especially for a young team, that's mm-hmm. not it. I don't think. Um, I mean, probably the Lakers. I guess it, it depends on if you if you think that RJ Barrett is so much better than anyone you can take it for. If you think that he's just, if he's going to be an all-star player, and the guy, any anyone past four is just going to be some dude, then you take the next pair. You take the next. Yeah. Um. If you yeah. think that DeAndre Hunter or Darius Garland or Jared Culver, uh, they're remotely the close prospects, you take the Lakers one. You think and that's the difference? Now let's say that it's um, let's say it's Ingram. 
plus number four plus uh, Ball or Kuzma. At that point, is it dependent on it being Ball or Kuzma for you? Um. So it's like it's the fourth pick, and Ingram's healthy. Yeah, we'll assume that the the blood clot stuff isn't an issue with Ingram. Right, because that basically made Chris Bosh retire. So yeah, I mean that's a big if. Um. No, I don't think it comes down to... I don't think that's the deal breaker. I think... Because it all hinges on what you think of Ingram. So you don't think that, like... If you think... Go ahead. Because Ingram's a better prospect than Knox, than Knox, for sure. Easily. And and Ingram's a better prospect than Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was nice, but you find you can find a guy like Mitchell Robinson every year. Yeah. Um, but... You, Guys like Ingram, but then you have to pay Ingram. So then the question is, would you rather pay Ingram, or would you just completely want to have all that all that space? Um, again, it really hinges down to the difference between the third and the fourth pick. And I, I know this is not much of a committed answer, but most people seem to think that R.J. Barrett, it it's Zion, Morant, Barrett, and then everybody else. And if that's actually the case, then you take the next pick and run with it. The the one hidden side of this is that we don't know how much Zion fucks with R.J. Barrett. Well, they're apparently really good friends. Okay, they so... roommates together. Okay, um, so that's a positive. They're really, really close. Okay, well, in that case, I think that... I was going to just bring that up. I was just going to bring that up. That's another thing, too, is R.J. Barrett and Zion are led... Uh, I mean, I, I are apparently really close friends. I think that is massive. Because yeah, I think... Totally. That, with the Ingram thing, I the contract thing is huge. Because I, right, I, I mean, agree. how do you feel confident that Ingram or really anyone of consequence is going to re-sign with New Orleans? That to well, me, Ingram will. Ingram will because he'll have his, his rights and you know. Do you have that after your trade? Match. Yeah, you do in a trade. Yeah, you still have his bird rights. Okay. So you can go over the salary cap and you can match. You can match anything. So it's it's not players on there rookie contracts with their original teams not original teams but teams that have their rights almost assuredly sign for example if the Nets want Russell they can just keep him gotcha uh, basically you, no matter what do you but think, then they have to not sign Kyrie so. oh well I guess that sucks then yeah I would if, if you're the if you're the Nets if you don't have any hope at Anthony Davis would you rather have D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Knowing that Kyrie um, has those knee injuries. Um, you know, to, I don't think Andrew Russell will ever be as good as Kyrie Irving. I don't think so. I think that, again, but on the flip side, is Kyrie still in his, is he ever going to get any better? I think here at the Nets, though, that people in the, in the NBA, like, fuck with Kyrie. They love that dude. Yeah, and he's cold blooded. You've never really had a you've never really had a superstar. You get Kyrie, people are gonna want to play with him. That's true. That's true. And if your goal and if and if you know that you're gonna need more than one star, you just take Kyrie because then KD will want to play with him. Then Jimmy Butler will want to play with him. But no one's like, yeah, I want to fucking play with D'Angelo Russell. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I I personally hope Jimmy Butler doesn't go there. I. Yeah, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, people in the NBA they think Kyrie Irving's. I mean, he's kind of got that mellow thing going on before. Definitely. I mean, I think people were. I think that a lot of NBA players respect the guys who can dominate street ball style, where it's just or like just can flat up score without any help. That, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, just guy. If you can get buckets, guys respect that. Because, like, I mean, you you see these playoffs, so many guys that we think are great players just can't get buckets whenever they want. And that, to me, I mean, that that is why Jimmy Butler is perennially underrated to me. Just because every time I see this guy in the playoffs, I watch him and think, this guy is one of the two or three best players on the court, if not the best player on the court. And how yeah, many guys are you saying that about? Watching him last year as a Wolves fan, I can, I mean, I test that he was, he's just awesome. I mean, the, um, was it 2016, whatever the, the year that the Bulls got up on the Celtics with Jimmy Butler and then you, me, and then some of the Warriors bench players on them, that was one of the most incredible oh, and performances. The, and, and the big thing, that, remember the big thing that swung that series? Rondo getting hurt. What? Yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah. Yeah. How do you yeah, feel? Yeah, I remember that. Wasn't that? Who else was on that? I mean, Miritich was on that team. Was it? Yes, he was. Yeah, you might have still had Bobby Portis, too. Oh, they did have Wade. Dwayne Wade was on the Bulls team. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a team. How much, like, how do you feel about in today's NBA? And, I mean, this is something that, obviously, we're, gu- we're guilty of doing right now. How much does it bother you that so much of NBA coverage is focused on what's next, what's going to happen, versus what's happening right now? Where we have, I mean, I just I love this finals, and I love I've loved a lot of these playoffs. I thought the East playoffs were fantastic, and I think the storylines for this finals are. Can you have more storylines? And can you have more storylines in a finals that does not include LeBron James? Right, I was just about to say. I don't know that you can. LeBron's the king of storylines. And yet, with all of that, we're devoting a no- notable chunk of our podcast talking about what Kyrie Irving's going to do this summer, where Kevin Durant's going to go. Say, I have to say, though, I mean, this is what's made the NBA such a fun league, is that the re- not only has it become an incredible amazing product on the court but the narrative around it's just as fun I mean that's because that is what entertainment is right it's it's what makes sports so fun is that we can we can fill conversation with it we can talk about it and I mean Bill Simmons the ringer wouldn't exist without this basically definitely wouldn't Um, I'm sorry go ahead and that's I mean it's not it's, it's not it's not it's not even a knock on the NBA but it's just yeah it feels more that's fair. It's definitely not just the NBA that does this. It, it feels it just feels more extreme with this sport. I don't know if it was on this podcast, but I think I've made the point before that with the NBA, it almost feels like the playoffs are the least interesting time to discuss things because there's only so much about the Raptors-Warriors series that we can break down without talking ourselves into circles. Like, yeah, we get it. Pascal Siakam's a good fucking defender. You know, Kyle Lowry's going to have to hit yeah. some threes. 
Draymond's And great. they were doing the same thing by engaging in hypotheticals. It's like, okay, we don't know how healthy Clay Thompson's going to be. We don't know how healthy Kevin Durant's going to be. Exactly. And so then it's just our projection of the of the of the remaining games is going to be, well, if we think that Kevin Durant's going to be eighty percent, but it turns out that he's only fifty fifty, all the things we've just said about the how the finals is going to go completely becomes irrelevant. And it, so we basically just have to guess and hope that we're lucky. Exactly, and that us guessing is only interesting for a little bit. Um, whereas I think like the NBA offseason is just absurdly fun to talk about. And they've done it with the way oh they said it's so fun, especially this offseason. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is a particularly special one. Um, I guess it's just frustrating because I it feels like there's some people who just who aren't even into the basketball that much and they're just into everything surrounding it, which shouldn't be a problem. It, you know, it, everyone should be able to enjoy it for why they do. Um, do I sound like a pretentious douchebag saying this? No, no, <laughs> no, you usually do, but not when you're saying this. This is good. Good, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, and I think the amount of analysis that we've devoted to, um, the game, game three was appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because I, I think, again, it, it, there was, there's a lot of things to praise the Raptors. Um, and then there was just the reality that the Warriors um, are great. They're missing their, yeah, they're missing two of their three best players. So, I, I mean, I don't have anything else in terms of the NBA offseason. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the draft. Um, I'm trying to, yeah, the Kyrie thing. I don't really, I don't know. It's not something that he's not the biggest free agent that I'm interested to see where he goes. But who else? Who would be oh, above Kyrie then? Well, Kawhi. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I like the... And Durant. Yeah. I mean, it, with Durant, it feels like he's been locked into going to the Knicks for like three months. Um, I mean, with Kawhi, the, the reports coming out this week, it felt like this is the first week where the tenor of the discussion about Kawhi's future has really changed to where... People actually think that he has a real shot at at staying in Toronto versus going to the Clippers. Um, Let's make this our last our, our last podcast topic because I, I do have to leave it about five or ten minutes. But right, sounds good. This whole well, I think there's two there's two tangents of this that I want to get into. First is just the whole the ridiculousness of playing real estate like detective. Well, um, which is I think another reason why NBA offseason Twitter is fun. Well, um, but the second thing is quickly. I'm sorry. I think Kawhi is just, and it started with Paul George, but I think if Kawhi stays, we're going to see a dramatic shift in how, and I think we're going to see it regardless. But if he stays, we're going to see such. We're going to see a bunch of GMs from places like I don't know Portland or um, Utah just being like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to trade for Anthony Davis. Denver. Yeah. Well, um, just be like, he's gonna play with Nikola Jokic. He, we're gonna go to the Western Conference Finals. We can maybe win this shit. You know what? Denver's not a terrible place to live. Um, do you, you know? You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I was gonna say like, Kawhi's the most fascinating free agent because if he stays, it kind of shifts not the power dynamic of the league. Of course, it does because you keep one of the best players in the East, but it also shifts. The philosophical sort of direction of the league. 
definitely. You're going to see more teams being aggressive like that. Um, I was going to say, to your point about the NBA doing like real estate watch, do you ever like follow college recruiting or like college like coach season, like the coaching carousel where like, I mean, you get yeah, these. I mean, I, I, I mean, I follow a bit. I mean, there's a couple like former people that I went to high school with, not high school with, but like around my former high school that I, 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 because I used to play, like I know the coaches and my sister's friends with them that they're getting recruited heavily. And like, I kind of pay attention to that, but I don't pay attention to the whole like, Oh, where is John Calipari today, or that kind of thing? Right. I mean, I I don't think you should. I think that stuff's kind of crazy. But like those people, straight up, like they go and track like who's flying out of what airports and who's get, like organizing a private jet elsewhere. Like the flight tracking for college sports is very intense. Yeah. Um, now it's I think what, what I think with Kawhi and the Paul George thing, I think what gets slept on is just like the psychological aspect of it where you know you're into you know you go move somewhere you know with Kawhi it's Toronto and with Paul George it's Oklahoma City I know personally you know after college I moved to Chicago and it was just kind of like I just need to get out of Columbia and this is just a place to go but had SI called about like the potential opportunity for me like a year in or like right as my first year was going to expire when I was there, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have been as ready to jump to New York City as I was after a second year because it still felt like I had not fully explored the city and it felt like I'd still left a lot of meat on the bone for how things are going to go and I just wanted to let that experience flesh itself out. And I imagine I think with Kawhi and Paul George, you know, you get to Toronto and it, you're there for a year year and you're like well I want to see this through I want to see what happens with this and in and part of it probably too is like you know what I don't fucking feel like moving for a second time in a year because moving sucks ass although to be fair I mean I mean, I, though, to be fair I mean I, I totally agree but to be fair it's a bit easier to move when you're worth like a hundred million dollars oh yeah. the logistical things oh are yeah so much easier. that stuff is a thousand times easier so I definitely I agree with that right now I mean, I'm moving from Cairo, and then I'm going back to Minneapolis for like six or seven weeks, and then I'm moving to Scotland, and it's really exhausting. But if I had millions of dollars, I would just throw 10 grand and just have people do it all for me. Yeah, I mean, the second I can afford to not have to deal with any kind of moving stuff again is when I will, because it is the biggest headache possible. Oh, moving's the worst. Yeah, moving's, yeah. Anyway, but I think, um, so... That is the thing that I'm looking forward to now. But right now, I'm I'm really excited for Game Four. Yeah, I am too. Um, real a quick aside with the Kawhi Anthony Davis thing. I actually think because we we were talking about maybe the Nets go after, him, maybe the Lakers go after him. You know, if you're thinking about like dark horse candidates to make a run at at Anthony Davis for you know a one year rental next year. You know what team kind of makes some sense that has some assets that might interest the New Orleans Pelicans? The Toronto uh, Raptors. The Toronto the Raptors. Toronto. Um, you mean like Pascal Siakam? I mean, if they all, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure the Raptors would offer that, but that's the only way they get him then. I mean, don't they like? I mean, maybe you offer like Ananobi and Ibaka plus some first round picks. Plus a pick in the. Plus the 30th pick in the draft? 
three picks? I don't know. I mean, but, you know, if no, you want... No, 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 no. They'd have to offer Siakam. That's fair. But, I mean, yeah. let's let's say they do that. If you offer, um, like... If they offer Van Fleet, Siakam, well, I don't know. Let's say, like, Siakam, Ananobi, two picks, maybe. Again, it, it, the, the, bear, the bear thing's a huge variable, too. It is, but I also think that those like young, those draft picks are huge variables. Not just, but also because you're going to have to pay Siakam a bunch of money coming up. And unless you believe that he's a star, which I mean, it's not inconceivable. Um, wouldn't you rather have you know five years of Barrett or four years of Barrett being dirt cheap, and then you know, because you're not going to compete when you're when you're um, you're not going to compete if you're the Pelicans right away. You're not going to compete at all. I mean, I, I, the thing is, I don't know that that's the case. So, would you rather bring in another 19-year-old um, than a 25-year-old? Unless you, again, I mean, do you think Siakam's going Siakam to be an all-star? Basically, that's the question. I mean, he doesn't need to get any better than he is right now, and he's already an all-star. I mean, I think that like, I I think you are asking a lot out of R.J. Barrett to ever be as good as Siakam is right now. I, I mean, I don't. I think I would have disagreed with that take a couple weeks ago. But I, I mean, how he's been playing, I, I don't particularly disagree. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Toronto, but then you have to ask yourself, do you want to give up Siakam? That's the question. Yeah. But I, I think it's one of those things where like, right, if you're New Orleans and they're like, okay, we'll give you a pick, OG Ananobi, Siakam, and and Siakam, so you'll get. <laughs> so basically, um, I wouldn't I give up. GM, I forgot what GM said this. But when it comes to a trade, you want basically three things. You want a, a guy who has potential to be a star. You want a guy who's, who can contribute right away as a really good role player. And then you want like a future asset. And you get all three of those. Because OG Ananobi's a role player right away. Well, I just say, I don't... He's going to be a star. If I'm the Raptors, I'm not giving up Ananobi and Siakam. Just because you need that other so wing then, defender. So then maybe you throw in... So then maybe you throw in... Van Vliet or something, or, or another pick. Maybe you, um, you maybe try to include a third team in here. I don't know. I mean, I just, I personally think that you don't want any, you don't want any of those other assets if you're, um, if you're in New Orleans. Like you don't want Serge Ibaka, you don't want Marcus Hall. Nah. nah, those don't, those don't really help you. I mean, I think that. Could I just, I personally think that Siakam is light years more appealing as a as a trade chip. Than Brandon Ingram, Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, any of those guys. Hundred percent. I mean, I agree with that take. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. And you've, I mean, he has convinced me. But you've been on that sort of train for a while. I mean, also like, and let's think about it. I mean, like, let's say Kawhi only resigns for like two years or something, or even if it's just one year. I mean, the Raptors' defense is amazing right now. Can you imagine what it would be if you had lineups that had Kawhi, Ibaka, and Anthony Davis all on the floor at the same time? I mean... I think that silence said it all. Yeah, it'd be unbelievable. Um, If Anthony Davis is healthy, I mean, that you... And Durant obviously going to the Knicks would be a big factor. But you'd be the heavy favorites to walk out of the East. I mean, I'd do it, honestly. If I if I knew that Kawhi was staying for two years. I mean, let's say he's um, only staying for one year. And you just have to put all I your chips on the table for one year. Yeah, I do. Unless you win the championship this year, I'd do the trade. Because then also, I mean, here's the, the slept on part of it, too. 
if you have Kawhi and Anthony Davis already there together, if you're them, why don't you just re-sign yeah. and be buddies? Absolutely. No, I think, I think yeah, I mean, I do that trade, 100%. And again, if you're in New Orleans and you're like, you kind of have to toss an Ananobi, though, and then you do it. I, what about Van Vliet? No, because Van Vliet's kind of, I mean, I don't remember, his contract's worth a decent amount, but he just doesn't really fit. And, I mean, I would be like, okay, if you give us your first round pick this year, which is not that great of an asset, it could be the last pick of the first round. Um, yeah. OG and it'll be a Pascal Siakam. I say no OG. Yeah. Or, or honestly, honestly, let's say maybe not this year's first round pick, but give us, you know, a first round pick in two years. That's what I would do if I was New Okay. And hedge that they eventually blow it up. And you know what else? Toronto probably knowing this is also something I I know you got to go, so I'm gonna, I'll make it quick. No, you get it. Watching last night was a reminder that like. Here's the brilliance of Masai Ujiri is not just executing the Kawhi trade, but sneaking into the Kawhi trade, not just DeRozan for Kawhi, but Jakob Pertl for Danny Green. Without that without that aspect of the trade, the Raptors are not up 2-1 right now. Without question, they are not up 2-1. Yeah, and if you're David Griffin, you're like, look, here's the deal. Um, we like Pascal Siakam. We love him, probably, let's say. Um, your first-round pick isn't really that good. And the Knicks, although they, R.J. Barrett may not ever be as good as Pascal Siakam, it's not inconceivable that he is, and we're also getting some pretty decent picks with Dallas. We're getting top 15 picks, basically. Um, plus other assets. You have to toss in Ananobi. See, I think, like, but that's what, with all that, like, I think I could see a scenario where the Raptors... Sneak Ananobi into the trade, but then also they they find a way to finesse Julius Randle out of the Pelicans as well. Isn't Julius Randle? <clears throat> I think he's a one year. I'm to think. He's got one year left, I believe. Another thing that you could do, and this is interesting, and I actually I don't think no. You oh. could trade Lowry. You could sub. You could you could make the trade huge, and maybe trade like Van Fleet and Lowry. No. You Some might have been for like Drew Holiday. Ooh, oh man, I don't. I think I'd rather have Lowry than Holiday for the Raptors. I, I mean, if they're healthy, I'd rather have Lowry. I mean, rather have Holiday. I mean, I think I think in a vacuum, Holiday is a better player. But I just think this Raptors he is, team he is definitely a better player. They just don't have. I just don't think the Raptors have enough shooting. Okay, so my the argument for this is that um, Kyle Lowry's last year of his contract next year, so. If you're the if you're the um, New Orleans, you can just basically have him play out the year, or you can just he's an expiry. Right. Right. And then they have but, a bunch uh, of cap space for yeah. guys to go play with Zion. Hmm? Well, then they have a bunch of cap space where if Zion is what we think he is, that probably is going to attract players to New Orleans. Right, and also you can let's say then use it to pay Pascal Siakam. Ooh. That's a fun idea. You have to if you trade for him. Yeah, I like it. God, I. I mean, but the thing is, like, but Holiday is a, you know, Holiday. The thing with Holidays, it's so funny because you kind of want Drew Holiday on this team with Siakam and Ananobi because he's such a good defender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's a better player than. Um, I mean, he was all he was second team all defense this year and first team all defense last year. No, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, I Drew think... Holiday's 20, Drew Holiday's 28. Uh, I mean, that's also the thing, like... 
I mean, good God. I mean, Lowry's a great defender, but, like, if you put Holiday, those lineups with Holiday, put whoever at shooting guard, plus Kawhi, Ibaka, and Anthony Davis, who, how are you scoring? How? No, it'd be awesome. So, I mean, that's a whole, I mean, I like it. And someone's going to float it, and they're going to get credit for it. But you heard it here first, everybody. That's right, baby. But uh, good chatting. We will uh, we will reconvene after one of these games. We will chat in the future. But uh, good talking to you, Andrew, and have a good. I one. feel like game four is. Uh, I feel like game four is a solid bet, just because um, that's going to be the biggest game of the series. Yeah, especially if Kevin Durant and Clay come back, because we're going to see what those guys look Absolutely. like. Yep, hundred percent.